Lee Wood. Thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. Uh, since we had that conversation at the start of the year and I first met you, I've been so interested to have this conversation and you spoke a bit about your coach. But before we get into all of that, just tell me a bit about what your life's been like since the victory against Josh Warrington. What have you been up to in the last month? Um, I always try to keep things the same, so I try not to um, stray from what I normally do. Obviously, after a fight, I go catch up on life a little bit and holidays and that, but... Um, stick around the same people my mm. family my friends my routine of um yeah i try not to do too much too different but life's been a bit yeah a bit surreal sometimes like i just want to nip to the local shop moving to a new place around the corner and um just want to nip to the asda and get a few bits and you can't you really can't, you're at that level where yeah you, it's, it's not just tough. it's not like superstardom it's like i just want to grab a few bits from the local shop and it's mm. like four people stop you for a photo and, and it's like it's sometimes like really like mm. I didn't I didn't expect that I thought I could just nip to the local shop and get my bits but um, yeah sometimes it's it's uh, it takes longer than you expect because you get stopped and that um, but yeah I try to keep life as as simple as possible and the same as it's not too too different but sometimes it's hard. Do you still yeah. do, are you still doing training? Like have you been training? What's that look like in the last month? Do you yeah. just not go to the gym? Do you tick over? Normally I like I have two weeks and I'm back in the gym ticking over just enjoying it but. This time, because I've trained for a full year of, like, intense, like, it's been intense as well. So last September I was supposed to fight Laura one and then I got injured. Mm-hmm. So then I had a few weeks break and then I was straight in the gym again for Laura, the Laura fight in February. Mm-hmm. Then I got beat. Yeah. And then it was, like, straight back in the gym. Mindset yeah. was like, need to put this right. And that was a quick turnaround, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 12 weeks or whatever it was. And then um, Laura 2 was in the May. So we've gone from September to May in the gym. And then um, it was like, if you want this warrant to fight, it's it's got to happen quick in October. So it's like September, train from September, May, uh, February, May, October. It's been straight through. Um, so a year in the gym. Um, and it's intense, like uh, the fitness on that side of it. Um, and the rest of it, preparing for people, mm. watching the videos every night. It's, it's, it is. But, um, so this time I've had a bit of a break. Yeah. I've, um, I've been playing five-a-side football. Really? Yeah. Oh, no way. So I had, a, I had a couple of weeks, three, four weeks off, just not doing lots of three weeks, I think it is. I'm not doing all anything. And then um, my mate's like, come play five-a-side. I'm like, go on then. That so, sounds mad that you're honestly, risking playing five-a-side. I was sprinting for an hour. I'm like, hard, a, I'm like a Labrador. Like, I'm crap. With the, like, I can't get the ball. I'm crap. <laughs> I literally, like, I can't do nothing with it. But just got the work, first right? of the ball, yeah. first back, first up, first back. Um... Yeah, so anyway, play five side two days later. <laughs> Honestly, I can't walk. My legs are killing me. But, um, I enjoyed it. It's something different. And then um, the next day I went and did some some training, some boxing at um, Clifton ABC with the, the kids and that and um, did a few bits with them. So you just get back into it now. Has that been a new... You know, you talked a little bit there about getting stopped in the shop. Has that been a new thing specifically to post this fight? Or were you having that before after the Conlon um, fight, the Lara fights? So when I won the British title, obviously it was COVID, so it was behind closed doors, so there's no fans, which is, mm. that was like hard, hard pill to swallow because I took like 20 years to win that British title from, that was the first belt I held as a kid. Mm. Then I won it and I'm looking around the room and it's like, there's no one there. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't celebrate. Yeah. But, um, so the, obviously everyone was getting like locked up and whatever, weren't allowed out with um, the COVID restrictions. So I didn't really see a lot of people after that. Um, obviously a lot of phone calls and messages on social media I think the TV numbers would have been a little bit bigger than expected because people couldn't attend right okay um, and then there's the world title which was like semi-closed doors there's like a thousand people there right. Eddie's back garden um, then after that the restrictions got dropped a little bit and I was getting noticed there in there mm. 
and I'm like, is that, is that, like, yeah. just a little bit, like, here and there, like, yeah. I got on holiday and I think, where did I go? Um, I went to Croatia. Okay. Got recognised a few times and I thought, that's strange because I don't normally get recognised. Yeah. And then there was the, um, the Conlon fight next. Then after that, a few more. And I, mm. In my own city, especially, like, near my local area as well. Um, and then the Laura fight back in Nottingham and then the rematch in Manchester then. I haven't really, because I've been in the gym so much, I've not really realised. Yeah. I've not really been out shopping. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. I'm not in a supermarket. I haven't. I take my kids out of when sometimes people are a bit more, with his kids, will leave him. Then obviously after this fight, um, I've kind of catched up on life and doing normal things, like I said, going to a local supermarket and stuff. And, and um, it's kind of gone from from what I remember, like before the Conlon fight to this, it's been a big yeah, it's a big difference. It feels like that. As a, as a yeah. fan watching, it feels like that. Like your profile's just gone up, especially yeah. after that fight. It feels as well like the scene's relatively quiet in terms of like big names. So I think you probably hit that perfect window when you like fought him. Little spot, yeah. yeah. Where not a lot of something. Even the heavyweights, not a lot yeah, of something. It's quite quiet, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Yeah. Lee, when you look back, like. So in my sport, for example, in gymnastics, this, the kids that start out, it's a very typical story. It's a lot of kids with ADHD, can't sit still. What's the typical, like, start-out story in boxing? And did you fit that mould when you first got into it? Um, I think boxing is one of probably the only sports where there's so many different personalities, right. walks of lives, lives um, races, religions, um, like, there's so many, it's such a mix of, like, everything and everyone. There's no set, like... Honestly, you can walk into a boxing gym, there might be a reserve kid that's quite quite shy, quite mm. quiet, sitting in the back over there, but then he spars and he's a beast. It's, it's crazy. Then there might be a, a loudmouth kid that's... You think, oh, he's God, then he gets in and it's terrible. It's like, yeah. there's so many different... Um, and ages as well. Um, I remember a good fighter from my amateur gym, he started boxing at, like, I think he was 17. And he'd ended up all right. <laughs> so it's all different um, yeah. starting points and abilities. Some people don't start as good and finish up great. And some people start great and finish up normal, don't finish up, they just yeah. quit. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a wide range of um, abilities and that. And it's, it's, it's good. It's refreshing because you don't see that in a lot of sports. No. And what, what were you like when you first... What, how did you first get into boxing? Um, trying to think. So I think the first time I walked into the gym was with... My brother and his mates and my friend's dad, who used to live across the road from me, Mark Anderson, right. I think he took me to the gym and was just messing around and I kind of enjoyed it. I picked up there. I was obviously very, very small for my age. Right. They was a year older than me. So it was like, I picked it up quite quick. For a little kid, he was very, very small for my age. I think I got a little late at school. <laughs> so I went with them, they was all bigger and older and I picked it up really quick. I loved it. It was quite hard and... Um, yeah, then I kept going. My mum didn't drive at the time, a long time ago. And my friend, mum used to take us to boxing in the top corner before my friend's dad was coaching properly. Right. I used to go for a lift and um, I went one time and she said, oh, he's, he's not going anymore. He's doing, I don't know, pogs or something. I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's so many things coming to go. I was like, oh, all right. And then like, I turned around and she went, do you want a lift? I was like... Yeah, go on then, if you don't mind. And she was t she took me a few times, and then um, my friend's dad started coaching me. We lived literally across the road. Right. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into it, and just kept going. It's a, got addictive for me. It was like I really like this, and 
I like how hard it is mm. and how rewarding it can be. And then I had my first fight. I didn't really train properly till I was 15. So I started, well, started okay, 12. Right. And I had 12, 13, 14, 15 of just like messing about really. Like used to go for runs on the rock and I'd take the short cotton. <laughs> I love I loved the sparring and the skill set of it and um, everything about it. But I didn't actually train hard. And right. I was getting results like win, win, loss, win, loss. Like just club shows. Like okay. as a kid, like the gloves used to come up today and used to tape the... <laughs> I'd gone out boxing training for a few fights. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I just enjoyed it. Does it make you, when you think back to those times now, actually making it to where you're at? Does it make you smile when you look back and you're like, wow, yeah. that's how you should you just you should start like that, shouldn't you? Absolutely. I think I don't think a lot of people believe me when I say this, but if I could go back with the knowledge I've got, if I could go back and experience it from 12 years old to here and do it all again, even if we take away the knowledge. Just forget that and just do the whole journey again. I would because I'd, I'd end up in the same place. Yeah. But to experience it all again and the feeling of like, am I going to do it? Am I not? Mm. Not am I going to do it? Am I not? But like, I might not do it. But I'm, I'm determined to do it. But like yeah. everyone's saying, everyone's saying I can't do it. Then that's that feeling of like striving and wanting to succeed and not the not the unknown. That journey, like I, I tell everyone, like the journey is better than the destination. Mm. I'm what, not even finished yet. Yeah. And what what role did did boxing play in your late teenage years, Lee? Was it a massive part of your life at that point? You know, as you get into 17, 18, 19, is it right? My life evolves around boxing now. Revolves around boxing. Yeah. Uh, since um, fifteen. Okay. Since fifteen, I'm glad it hit that point because I was that kid that was like I didn't get into trouble at school. As in, like I was never gonna get permanently expelled, but I was always looking for a buzz or a laugh or excitement. I was a cheeky little kid that just wanted to laugh all the time. And I was getting to that point where we would go. I got excluded a few times, like jumped out a window and set fire alarm off. And just little things for like, it was just fun and exciting and a bit of a clown and that. And if I'd have not had boxing, then things was, would have escalated. Right, okay, yeah. What's the next buzz? Let's take a car, let's do this. And it's like, there would have been no ceiling mm. for me because it was just constantly let's do this, let's do that. Then, and I was a proper, I still am adrenaline, but it's been channeled the right way. Yeah. If I'd have not found boxing, then I'd just been doing stupid things, mm. and I don't know where the ceiling would have been for that. So all that energy and all that ballsiness and adrenaline would have gone somewhere else. I may not have got into trouble. Mm. I may have. I don't know, but it definitely would have been channeled somewhere else. And maybe another sport I always liked, um, motocross when I was like, I think from 10 years old, I was obsessed with bikes and quads and I had loads growing up. Going I wanted, fast. I, I wish I could have raced like really? from a kid. I'm actually, when I finish boxing, I'm actually going to get into motocross. I'm really? Yeah, I'm going to oh, crack wow. it. I love it. But um, I think if I had that instead of, bo- I don't have box. If, I, if my yeah. kid, if my family would have, like my mum and that, and would have could have afforded me to, do motocross I probably would have done it mm. I probably never would have boxed and I look back and think wow I never found my passion because yeah, I do yeah. love motocross but I am passionate about boxing yeah. so it's and crazy it's funny, I right? think I, is motocross I'd imagine the the barrier to entry to motocross is a lot of financial right yeah whereas boxing, any motorsport is expensive boxing is just different in class sport yeah. yeah yeah so like I know a few people that race and like they've all got families or dads that have got their own businesses right, and they're doing okay, all right yeah, yeah. Like, they make a few quid so self-funded it's all self-funded motocross is like yeah. quite expensive um, but yeah I definitely would have got into that without a shadow of a doubt <laughs> I um, can see you smiling but yeah. I can tell me yeah, I can I know, see yeah. just that speed but, um, I'm, not, I'm smiling <laughs> because everything 
happened for a reason. And yeah. um, I, when I got into more and more into boxing, I just became obsessed and I had such a passion for it. Mm. When you, what age did you turn professionally? Uh, 23, I think it was. 23. Yeah. So up until that point, you were just on the amateur scene. Yeah, so I was a bit of a late bloomer, really. Um, I like, everything was at a later date. Even now, like, I'm 35. And I'm top, top, top of my division at 35. So yeah. it's pretty much um, unheard of, really. But yeah, turned pro at 23. Before that, I was amateur. I was on Team GB for a short spell before I turned pro. Um, I was in the ABAs and said, right, you need to like basically win these ABAs and we'll send you to the Europeans. Okay. I, was like, I was buzzing, like, yep. This so, is Team um, GB? Yep, yeah. and I had um, five internationals for them, won all five internationals. Went to the ABAs, like which English tournament. Mm-hmm. I won all my fights up until the semi-final. I lost on a majority decision to someone that beat me as a pro. Right. Horrible fight, really. <laughs> I'll beat him now, but like at the time, I didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. really know how to how to fight Southpaws and this style. And like, I didn't really, I just get, I was, I'm going to guess it, really. Just, Turn up and that was great. Beat me on a very close decision in the ABs, and then um, because I lost that fight, he went on one as well. The next round, he won easier, so I lost to the winner really on a close decision. I think it was a split decision, and then um, went back to Team GB like, oh, we're letting you go. We're sending someone else at the lower weight to the championship instead. It's right. like I'm thinking that's really not quite fair, is it? But yeah. I've won all my internationals. I won all five fights to get to the semi-finals of that. So I left the team GB, I went, all right, son, went straight to Brendan Ingalls, which I knew I was going to do when I turned pro anyway, and basically said, I'm turning bro. Right. And what is it like when you're growing up and you're a kid and you're in boxing, is the Olympics and team GB like put on a bit of a pedestal at that age? You know, when you're growing up, it, are all the young boxers thinking, right, I want to go represent team GB, go to the Olympics? Yeah, but... Or is it not necessarily the case? Yeah, it is. It, it is. is. It right. is for... Them, them kind of fighters that have been around that, but I was never around that. Right, so yeah. I was around Froch, yeah, and and watching him what he did, yeah. and then Nicky Booth, Jason Booth. I used to see them a lot as a kid. I sparred them at fifteen, so for me, as a kid, I I looked up to them. Right. So I didn't yeah, even yeah. know about the Olympics. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't even know they existed. Like <laughs> boxing existed. That that was not my head. My head and my eyes looking at them win a British title world title Commonwealth title was like mm. European title that was me as a kid path. yeah right, okay. watching Rocky as well I was like <laughs> a very a very young kid now people laugh but like I used to watch it with my brother and like that's, that, that like inspired you mm. do you know what I mean so and there's no Olympics on that so yeah. for me as a kid growing up when I started into boxing it wanted to go to Olympics yeah. someone said to me like I remember I'll never forget was in the working man's club I think it was in Hockner or somewhere a long time ago I was boxing and um, he said yeah, do you want to go to the Olympics? I was like, nah, I'm turning pro 18. <laughs> and he was laughing. And I was like, I don't want to go to the Olympics. Yeah. But um, that's that was because of what I was seeing and yeah, what I was inspired by. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't turn pro 18, but it turned pro at 23. And um, I was on the path to the Olympics once and got a short spell. Um, but there was someone, there was a really good fighter at my weight who was always going to go to the Olympics. Right, and he got okay. gold, Luke Campbell. So oh, really? Okay, I was right. never really going to yeah. go anyway. Yeah, so. Right. Um, yeah, it was always it was always the term pro, and um, my minimum in the sport was to win a British title. Right, and what what you know, I'm sure you had mates that you went to school with that see right Lee Woods turning pro, and everyone kind of on the surface, people will go, oh wow, he's made it, but that's just not the reality, is it? <laughs> no, what, what, far, is, what is what is the reality? <laughs> what is the reality of like when you first turn pro? You know, you've now had I think you've had 31 fights now. I think it is yeah, yeah 31 fights. But when you're starting out and you're having fight one, two, three, four, five. 
<laughs> people are on the street are going to be thinking, oh, he's probably making money, right? But what does that, what is the reality of turning yeah, pro? Yeah, so the, real, the reality of the professional boxing is the top 3% make not just enough money to secure your future, but to live off. Like mm. maybe the top 5% make enough money to live off day to day. And yeah. if you think about all your bills you have to pay, like if you've got family to support, car to run, holidays to pay for, like the top 5% of boxers probably get enough for that. A lot of the rest, me working between, they get good sponsors that can help them out. Local businesses and that, they help me out, to be honest, to get by. Because I lived in Sheffield Monday to Friday for 10 years. Right. As Since I turned pro, mm -hmm. um, which was 2010. I'm trying to work out the maths here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they really helped me out. Like okay. um, Blueprint in Nottingham, Oakfield Construction. They helped me, just gave me a bit of a wage kind of thing to chase my dream and right. live away from home. But yeah, all the other th all the other fighters. When you turn pro, you you'll fight at a low level, small hall. Unless you get signed by a promoter if you go to the Olympics. Mm. Um, but they, they, like me, if you come from small hall boxing, um, you literally got to build your way up, and you got to sell tickets. Mm. You got to you got to sell tickets. So you don't fight. You have to. Your opponent needs paying. The show needs to make money. You need paying. Your How much needs of it, is that on your shoulders? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So there's a lot of fighters that are in that situation today. Like they they were turn pro. And um, so let's let's look at this way. If I'm a promoter, so I've got a show, yeah. and I'm putting you on as a fighter. Yeah. So you want to fight, you want to build your profile up to a big fight, to a title fight, and hopefully win and then get signed. And you've not been to the Olympics, no one knows who you are. Um, I'm the promoter, right? You want to be on my show. So I need to make money off putting you on my show. I'm not going to yeah. put you on for free. It's not going to yeah. cost me money. I want to make money. So... You need to make money to be on my show. Say you, I want five hundred quid minimum. This is a small law, yeah. You want a you want a wage, so you want a couple of grand, whatever it is. Now you, you got an opponent to pay for because I'm not gonna pay for him. That's gonna cost me money. Right. So you have to pay for it. So you have to sell a certain amount of tickets. It's gonna cover your purse, my fee, his purse, and then for my show, you know, there's other things that need paying. Like your trainer and manager need paying, so they take cut your purse. There's like. For me, there's a lot of expenses like ring hire, all the officials, the whip, like the timekeeper. It adds up, and that smaller box, and there's no money coming from TV or how do you even anywhere else? How do you even do it? Do you get guys that come in that have <coughs> literally they're not actually that good, but they've got the money to do it? Yeah. So w when you first turn pro, like you'd be fighting a level of opposition where you're probably expected to win, okay. but you're going to get you out. You might get a knockout. You might fight someone that never gets knocked out, and then. Getting a knockout might boost your profile a little bit. Right, well, okay. he's not to mind. He never gets knocked out. Yeah. But he fights every week, and they call, like, they, they call him journeyman. But like, yeah. I see him as more like stepping stones and building fighters and testing your uh, low level. Yeah. And as you get up, as you get better, the le that level of opposition gets slightly better. So he might get someone that I don't know loses most weeks, but he's had three upsets against some beating kids in the last few months. Mm. So he's probably won three out of ten or something you right. know as an example yeah. so then you, you're not fighting someone unbeaten because if you fight someone beaten and you're small hole I've got to pay you a purse he's going to want a big purse because I'm beaten there's no no way to generate that money from right okay yeah, I mean? that makes sense yeah, yeah yeah. so that's where as your prospect you get better you fight mm. these kids and then eventually get into a title position and hopefully a promoter that's got TV money and a bit more money can put you on their show because mm. That's a good fight. He's had five, four, six fights, one, six, or ten. He's had a fair record of 60, 40 or more. That would be a great fight. 
they both got the will to win. That yeah. make a TV fight, and is I got the money a, to yeah. pay that as a promoter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, is that at the point when when the TV or the promoters want to put you on their show? Is that where they yeah. take some of the financial pressure yeah. off of you and they exactly, come yeah. in and say, right, but we're going to fund the fight? There's more pressure because right. you've worked your way for years to get to that position. Yeah. If you lose, you're back to the bottom. Yeah, and what's it? What's it's it at that stage, Lee? What is it like that time between fights where you're at the very beginning and you're still, you know, at this point, you're still dreaming of getting to the top. What's that anxiety like between fights in those early stages when you're fighting your first half a dozen fights? Um, it, it's, there's not a lot of pressure because you're fighting, well, for me, it was, I was fighting people that I could beat. I know I could beat them. Right. Some, some are harder than others, but you know you're going to win. It was more of getting as fast as you can to that title level because... You want to start making enough money to live off because at the minute you, you're just getting by. You're literally mm. just getting by. And also, from my point of view, it was like, I'm training every day, twice a day, and I'm not getting tested. What's the point in grafting as hard as I can all the time? And I'm I'm developing to get to that level. Yeah. So it's more of a, a lifestyle. When you get there, you're ready to fight. But I wanted to be tested as early as possible because I'm training hard. Yeah. I feel like I'm good enough, but I'm finding people I can be easy. There's no... There's no challenge. Yeah. That's is, what I felt like. Is it hard then to like motivate yourself to do the work when you're thinking that I can beat I know I'm gonna beat this guy. He's just a stepping stone to where I wanna get to and it's more a yeah. question of like patience. Yeah, but that's when you see some prospects get beat because mm. they'd take their eye off the ball. Yeah. And I seen that, so I was like, I wasn't gonna do that. So yeah. It's hard, hard to motivate for some people because they're fighting these these kids, but that's where promoters come in. Sometimes they'll invest in kids the been to the Olympics or been to like tournaments as an amateur, the term pro, then a promoter may sign him because they think, right, that'll be an investment. Then they might get moved along a little bit quicker than other fighters because the money's there to promote them right, and yeah. they're good enough to do it. Yeah. Um, but other kids may be good enough to do it, but they haven't got the promoter. So it's, yeah. they have to do the long, hard route like yeah. I did. And when you start when you start getting those bigger opportunities and you get to the point where you're fighting for, let's say, English titles or British titles, at that point... Can you remember having a feeling where you wanted to get to that point for so long where you kind of have this moment where you're like, right, it's now or never, right, this is it? Because you must have seen a load, of, a load of lads along the way who have got to those points where you're making your professional debut, you're trying to sell your own tickets. There must be a massive drop-off and you've got to the point where, okay, I can see it. I can kind of see it. Yeah. I've got to go for it now. And my story as well is like, I did what, I just told you, like, I took that hard route. I went, like, small hall. I built my way up, and then I finally got put into a title fight, a British title fight. I won, I won a few, like, titles before that, like, Masters titles, called, just small hall titles. Okay. But, um, first shot the British title, so I've, I've worked my way up. It's took a long time to get there. I'm 27, I think I am by now. Okay. And um, British title on an away show, so it was more like Yorkshire and right. uh, Gavin McDonald sailing the fight, and... Um, yeah, just gassed out. I was I made super super bantam weight. I killed myself to make it and um just gassed out really. Gassed out and, and got stopped. I think it was round God, it's that long, I can't remember. Was it round seven or eight? Six or seven? Right. Literally gassed out. I remember I slipped in the first round. People will go back and watch this. People may even remember it. Um I slipped in the first round. He came near me and I and I slipped with some water in the corner and the ref counted it as a, a knockdown. So I thought right. that's a that's a ten eight round. I'm two points down now for round one. So now I went from there to there fast. I was like, woof, so I'm throwing shots, power shots, I need to make sure I win these rounds. And my tank went, woo, woo. And just an experience as well, yeah. like, 
inexperience and not doing the distance before because I stopped everyone pretty much up until that point. I didn't never really done more than six rounds, so um, massive learning curve for me that. And honestly, after that fight, I felt like my world had ended because really? it took that long to get there. I got beaten. It was just like, wow, how am I gonna like? How long is it gonna take to get back to to there? And I, I was expecting to, you know, have a few fights and get back. It took years to get back. Really? Like, well, that was in 2014, and I didn't win the British, ti British title um, until 2021. So wow, crazy, yeah. crazy. How important is your support network at that point? You know, when you've you've had that taste of it, you get you've you feel like you've the worst things happened. You've gone back down the pecking order. You got to start again. How important was your support network that you had around? Very you important, but like it was a hard time. I remember. Um, my friend Jordan Gill, I'm going to his fight in December. He was the only person that stayed with me. He stayed with me that night. Not that my other friends didn't want to stay, but he'd been with me day and day out for the, for the camp because we were at the okay. same gym. And, um, he stayed with me that night after the fight. We were in the hotel where the, it was up in Hull, I think it was. And um, I'm so glad he stayed with me because I was rock bottom. Really? I was rock bottom. I was like, I was like really bad place. Um, but yeah, it took a long time to get back to there. And not only that, like after that fight, I had. An injury ruptured my bicep, completely that like, shot in my arm, and then two shoulder injuries. It's all in between. Mm. Um, to get back to win that British title, there's a few th few fights in between that, but to actually get the British title, it went from 2014 to 2021, wow. and it was um, yeah, a long a long journey to get there. It's mad, right? Because people all from the outside, casual like me, will look yeah. and they'll see the. Conan fight or the Can fight and then they'll see the Lara fights they'll see the this like, fight, oh yeah. god this is it this is amazing yeah. right but yeah. they see none of that iceberg that exists underneath <laughs> the water do they they don't see those seven years and yeah. yeah and as well like they'll see that last bit and not that first bit mm. and I get messages now that are like oh, I'm really excited about this kid's future I'm like I'm 35, <laughs> like, I've got probably another fight or two fights left, and then I'm I'm signed, I'm done. Um, not because I don't want to fight, not because yeah. I don't think I could. I probably could fight to look for longer, but I don't want to risk my health because no. I, I sometimes, the last few fights, I took a, a few more shots than I wanted to, and I don't want my kids wiping my ass when I'm 70 or 60, because yeah. 60, it's, it's a prolonged thing. It's not really like, if you take shots, you might not get the, the effects of it now, but... Maybe in ten years or fifteen, twenty years, yeah. it may come on more. So I don't want to keep risking and taking that risk. So um, I've done all right in boxing. I've, I've made a few quid now. I've managed to secure myself. Um, I've achieved quite a bit. One thing to do. The only reason I'm still fine is to <laughs> to achieve my dream at the city ground. Yeah. Um, and I'm nearly there. So why? Everyone's like, oh, you can't turn them paydays down. But like, I can. Like, yeah. I don't need a life. I don't need to live a life beyond my means. Like, I've got everything I want pop that sit ground fight and then I'll be happy you know I don't need to keep fighting now you've got to those fights where you are doing well and you are making money I think it'd be really interesting for people to know because when you sit and you look at watch Sky Sports News or you listen to Talk Sport whatever it is how does that money then get divided up after a big fight like that like you obviously don't have to tell us the numbers but like where are those cuts going and how yeah. big are those cuts that's going to everybody else yeah so when I was at my old gym um guys I, I get angry thinking about it but well, that's not my old gym. Bearing in mind, like, a lot of people think, oh, well, he must have made millions off that fight, millions off that fight, but I didn't actually make that much money until after the British title, world title. Because until you're at world title level, like, at my at my weight, there's no money. So, um, yeah, I'm looking back now. I boxed on Sky probably six times before 
winning the British title okay. or, or, or including the British title. So then five fights before that, people think, oh, I boxed on TV. Literally, you're getting paid hardly anything. And then because I was at my old gym, they used to take a 33.3%. So if you get a purse and then they take a third of that. Who are they splitting that up between? So the trainer coaching? and manager. So okay. trainer takes 10%. Right. Manager takes is it 15, uh, 20%. Okay. So it's 30%. But by the time you, you take your management off first, then you train a second, it adds up to 33.3%. So right. yeah, it's a lot. It's and a is, that, is that manager in boxing? Is he... Is he your only manager, or do you have a personal manager as well? No, no, just with boxing, it's just that's your manager for okay. your fighting. Just you your fighting. Have, no, yeah, you can have a manager for like um, that's personal stuff or sponsors, yeah, sponsors, that kind of thing. You can do if you want to, but um, I haven't. And even now, since just from being being there for that amount of time, I realised that like when you get to a certain level, you don't really need mm. a manager. You, you do need a bit of guidance as well. My coach, Ben Davison, he helps me, he guides me a lot as well, but um, I'm self-managed now, so I don't have to pay that 20%. Yeah. So I pay my trainer 10%, and he earns it as well. Like Ben, like he's a great guy, we're good friends. Mm. He guides me as well, so we, we think about a fight and we talk about it and we think about the best options. Um, so yeah, I'm in a lot, lot better situation than I when, I when I was earning even less and paying even more, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, percentage-wise. Yeah, yeah. What about, tell me a little bit about Ben and me, because uh, we had that conversation and it, for me it got my brain going. I was really thinking about my relationship <laughs> with my coach um, and you were you were basically saying like, he's just, he's different the way, that, the way that he operates and the way that he works. Just tell us a little bit about what was that difference for you initially uh, compared to the coaching team that you'd had before that, what is it? What is that difference? Yeah, so also I don't want to be slagging people off and saying, oh, they're shit, they're not, but how they operate um, in my old gym was, you know, they get you fit, you throw loads of punches, loads of pads, and it's more like conditioning, and okay. you're super fit and super strong and, and sharp, but actually you're not really thinking about your opponent. You're not, like, you're not tailoring to beat someone. You just look, you're more focused on you and what you do and how fit you are and how strong you are. And then they've got to deal with you. But the way I operate with Ben is like, we look at an opponent and we look at the strengths, we look at the weaknesses. But most importantly, Lee Wiley as well, we've got a video analyst guy called Lee Wiley. He will look at their tendencies, whether okay. they're good tendencies, like, oh, it is this at a certain time. or And Ben as well, Ben and Lee will both look at it and they'll agree. Lee Wiley will watch like hours and hours and hours and hours of opponent and then he'll pull these things out and then he'll give it to Ben and they'll they'll talk and they'll discuss and then they'll pick out the important things for me so then that'll get diluted to Ben and that'll get diluted again to me not okay. diluted but like the important things pulled yeah. out of it because you can't just give it all to me and be like this is what, <laughs> this is what yeah, we're yeah, yeah. it'll be too much no. but, um, so then I'll get given the important things maybe 10 or 12 things um, moments he does this in this moment. Um, if you do this, he may do this nine times out of ten. It's obviously it's not all a given, but it's it's high percentages. Yeah, we're talking like yeah. very likely things, um, and it's worked. And if you look at the level that I've been boxing at compared to the level I've been beat at, yeah. it's like well, you can't beat at that level. Then you've won that by knockout. You've won that by knockout. You won that by knockout. Like how? And and this is how because of the team I've got is is way ahead, way do you think, ahead. Do you think that difference is the access to that knowledge that they've got? They're just giving you the almost cheat codes. Like, Yeah, sometimes it's almost like cheating because it's it's so... It, it's like, well, if you do these things right and you drill them, and mm -hmm. obviously we have to be extremely fit and you have to really put in an effort into camp anyway. 
but it's more mentally draining because you're doing the same thing. Like you, you say you're working on a certain thing that day. We'll, we'll drill it over and over and over and over and over. But um, I know I'm fine now, right? You have to be able to do this. You have to be able to do it without thinking. You can't think, right, I'm going to look for this thing and something else can boom, you're not ready. Yeah. So you have to be like almost instinctly, instinctively fighting and then that situation may occur and you go bang, 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 bang because you've drilled it hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. It worked and it clicked. It yeah. happened in my last fight. It happened in the, the Conlon fight. It happened in the Reese Mould fight, the Kanzu fight, right. um, the Lara fight. Can you give it, us an example of like in one of those yeah, fights? Yeah, I can, where I can give you an example of the previous fights because... Um, I'll give you an example on the fights that won't happen again. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, because <laughs> you never know what fights can happen yeah, again, yeah, and yeah. I don't want them to know these things. But after that, I've, I've said many times, you know, when I retire, I'm going to talk through, probably with Ben or or with Lee or both of them, and yeah. about the fight before the fight. We've got videos of me drilling it. We've got my scan report with a date on, saying this is, you know, the date I got the scan report, and this is the information. And I'll open it and. I'll talk for everyone what happened and what mm. I did and what situation occurred and how I got the knockout. Yeah, yeah. People are like, that's crazy. And no one else... I can watch boxing on TV and you can hear the instruction in the corner and it's like, I'm so glad I'm where I am. Right. I'm so glad I've got the team I've got. And I watch people training on pads and you can almost see like m- making mistakes on pads, doing... You can watch them hit pads. Now, before, I'd be like looking at the punches, looking at how sharp, sharp and strong they are. Now, I'd watch them thinking, they're doing something over and over again. That's detrimental. I'd be looking at the footwork and thinking, they're doing something that's going to cost them at some point. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't used to look at boxing like that. Since I've been mm. with Ben, my whole vision of boxing and everything's changed massively. How much of it, Lee, is like coach-led? Is it you walk into the gym, <laughs> they're in full control, you follow the program to the letter... But how much is, uh, and then how much is you instinctively feeling what you feel, how you react to certain situations? Yeah, so we do we do set things in the gym, but when you spar, it's down to you, it's your decisions. Okay. So this is where another thing that I said is since I've been with Ben, my decision making has got better. Okay. So before, like, a lot of fighters do this, and I used to do it, but like, I'll, I'll be sparring and thinking, right, um, we're sparring, I'm going to do this next. And no matter what's happening, here or here I'm going to do this next so I might think I don't know I'm going to throw one two next so I might be going and I'm going to go bang bang but a lot of fighters do this but you can't you can't really at that level you can't do that you can't make a decision 10 seconds before or 5 seconds before that you're going to throw something regardless of what's happening Right. you can't yeah. do that but you can do that but it's almost a different level then you're working it's at dangerous. a different level how do I know someone's not waiting for a one two or I might think right I've been caught with a jab this time I'm going to sit down in front of a cut so you might get to throw that one too the jab's gone over my head you want you to go over my head and I've caught with a cut because I've been caught with a jab two times so in the third time now I'm waiting for a counter and you've stepped in with that one two and I've, I've caught you mm. do you know what I mean yeah so there's so much that's just an example probably a terrible example but like there's so much things happening yeah. you need to be aware of as the fight's playing out, you can't be, you can't think right. I'm going to throw this shot, regardless of what's coming back, regardless of what's happening. You need to, you need to be two steps ahead. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that, and so you, I'm guessing that you guys have like a very high level of trust between you. Right? Yeah, but like, <laughs> there is. Yeah, but like, it's just basically common sense as well. Like, you won't teach everyone the same because they find different opponents, but the principles 
are, are very similar, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, the basics mm. and the fundamentals. Yeah, and, they, and, they don't yeah, the principles of, of how how you box, like, um, it's all, that Ben always says, and like they view it like a conversation, like asking a question. So you might go a sharp faint. Asking you, if I do this, what are you going to do? Right, okay, yeah. Then you might go, oh, throw it back. Oh, yeah. great. I've got that information now. So I know if I jab you, you're thinking, right, I'm going to catch him for a back or I'm just going to throw it back. So I've got that information now. So I know when I jab, you're throwing back. So I can go, I can just put one out there. Boom. I know you're throwing back. Slip. Mm. I've nailed you because you're throwing back. That makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And that's sense, just yeah. one example. Yeah. There's so many examples so, but, so rather than just being thinking about what you're doing in your head, you're almost you're you're you've got reactions. that, but you're reacting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or for another example of the same one, I I check it. I'm asking the question. I'm driving. What are you doing? Nothing. Sweet. I'm gonna go. Boom, boom, bang. Because yeah. you're not throwing back. You're not ready. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Or I might ask a question. Boom. You step off. So there's, there's so many. Yeah. There's so many things to it. There's so many. Um, outcomes, but it's the principles of asking the question, checking yeah. something first. Do you think that you know you you obviously spent those ten years in Sheffield, and you said that you know a lot of that training was based around conditioning, durability, making sure you were physically prepped for. A, do you think the fact that you did those ten years of that means that now you've got that in you, so you can focus yeah. on the IQ stuff? Definitely. Like when Ben first took me on the pads when I went down to Sheffield uh, to Essex, it's like you can crack, you can you can punch. And um, I do think that may have been part of that system that I was in repetitively. We used to do the, what's called the blows, which is like a, a bag full of corn and what Brendan um, designed. And it's like hitting concrete, literally right. the bag's like concrete. And you used to have to do these blows every day at the end of the session. You step in, whack, you do jabs, doubles, triples, one twos, hooks. You do like a whole sequence of punches on these bags. Okay. And kids first come to the gym like, oh, you can't, it's hurting my hands. But I did it for 10 years and mm. you build up, you, you, you can say you build up the calcium in your bones and your hands, your joints and everything gets harder and stiffer and your muscles get stronger. And yeah. Nazim, Prince Nazim was from that gym and needed the same thing and he could knock everyone out. So maybe that played a key part in my mm. power. But um, going, move, the combination of the both yeah. moving to Ben yeah. was, was key. Do you think it's an advantage, mate, that you, everything in your career happens a little bit later? because you were a little bit more maybe mentally mature when those situations arose. So, like, 27, you lose that British yeah. title. If yeah. that had happened maybe when you're 21, 22, you might not have handled that the way you did and come back, you know, and you had to work for all of those years from 2014 to 2021. Maybe, yeah. Do you think that's an advantage? Because, you know, in, in my sport, a lot of the time, we have, like, wonder kids that come through, and I was probably one of them. But I didn't really fully mature until I was 27, 28. For me, in my sport, by that point... My mind had caught up, but my body was gone. It was just yeah. gone. I couldn't do it anymore. But it seems like for you, like because you had that almost slower journey to the top, you're, you were kind of able to mature mentally at the right time as you were physically getting to your peak. Yeah, I look back and think everything worked out perfect and at the right time. Mm. Maybe because like when I first turned pro, like I said to a few friends, like I'm winning that British title. Um, and it's a hard title to win, you know. It's probably the most prestigious belt in world boxing, or especially obviously British boxing. But like world boxing, like that belt is like, if you're from Britain, like that is the belt to win. And normally people go on from that belt and go to box for if not winning a world title. So it's very prestigious. 
And um, I said to my friends, like, I'm not quitting boxing until I win that belt. Mm. And that's my minimum, minimum. I'm winning that belt. And I wanted to keep winning it outright. So I told him more about that in a minute. So I was thinking, right, I want to win that belt outright. So we look at my story, like, I got beat in 2014 for it. I didn't win it till 2021. So if I'd have won that fight and then lost for European or world, it'd probably been like, oh, well, I won my British title. Yeah. I did what I set out to do. And, you know, I got beat at this level. And maybe I'm not going off. Like, who knows what would have happened? But because I didn't, it's like, right, I'm fucking going to get better. I'm going to get better. I'm going to come back and, and, and win that. And then obviously move gyms and it got better. Then won this and won that by knockout. And the British title didn't line up on box with the Commonwealth and won that by knockout. Defending it won by knockout. We were European won by knockout. And the British title was like not there. So that kind of kept me going. Because mm-hmm. I said, even, even, if I, even if I'd have won a world title first, I'd still come back for the British title. Right. Um, so like, yeah. It never came, and then obviously 2021 it came, and my new gym and the fashion that I won it. I was like, I couldn't do better than this. I've got, I was still getting better. Yeah. Obviously, the, the world title fight, and I still get better. The Conor fight, I'm still getting better now, like experience and that. Mm-hmm. So maybe everything happened for the reason and um, yeah. for the right reason. But the British title, which it still bugs me a little bit, is the British title is the only belt in boxing where you have to win it and then defend it three times to keep it. Right. So um, it's like, it's got gold in, it's the, it's the belt's gold, gold plate and that. Wow. Yeah. So um, yeah, it still bugs me that I've not got it to keep because you can't buy it, you can't you can't borrow it, you've you got you to win it. And um, the thing was, when I won the British title is, the world title was the next fight and you can't hold the world title and the British title so the British border control say if you win a world title you have to vacate the British mm. and obviously the money's there for the world title yeah. it's, it's a massive belt um, so I had to vacate and I remember <laughs> in the changing room before the, the world title fight I opened up the British because I knew I was going to pass it back after I knew I was going to win without a shadow of a doubt so um, just by all the prep I'd done and how well my team um, analysed it and how confident they was so I, I got the belt and I remember I was taking loads of photos and I thought I might end up buying one and get it engraved exactly the same and then want to let a date till <laughs> yeah. I realised I rang up the ball and said oh, you, you can't buy it you have to win it I was, I was good but yeah, I still got the photos of it all and um, I took loads of photos of friends when I had the belt and that but um, that's one thing that I'd probably if I could go back and, and when I arrived but then just timing it's, it. just timing you can't, you've got to take if that I'd have said no shot. to the world title shot you can't do to that, try can and get you? in a position yeah. to win the world title, world title shot is even harder than mm. getting picked to win one so you know um and you did it, mate. All, yeah, those, all those mates that you said that you were going to do yeah, that. Like you kept yeah, that I promise it, yeah. to yourself. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure, yeah. yeah. It don't, I don't get upset about it, but, um, you know, it's just something yeah. that I would have liked to have done. It's cool that you uh, you feel that way, like, about that British title, yeah. do you know what I mean? I'm somebody that's very proud to be, like, where I'm from, so, like, Brit- I'm gr- proud to be from Britain, England, Nottingham. Anything good that's going on in Nottingham, like, I'm big champion yeah. of it. Even my, where I'm from, my village, like, yeah. I just love... I don't know what it is within me. I'm just very proud to be where I'm from. I think you should be. Um... Yeah. When you get that big fight, Lee, uh, the first fight with with Conlon after the world title, so your first defence, and he's quite a big name, right? Because he goes viral after the Olympics yeah. for that for that interview that he did, which was hilarious. I can remember listening to where he's going mad about the judges. Right, so he's quite a big name, and you get that fight. Just tell me what it's like walking out into a, an arena with a home crowd, and, and like you can say what you want before <laughs> that, like. What are the conversations you're having with your head? Because you're never going to let anybody know if you're nervous or you're worried or you're scared or you're thinking, God, what happens if this goes wrong? But what is that conversation in your head when you're going out? So back to the start of this podcast, you know, I was like, I told you, like, I'm a proper ballsy kid. Like, 
I remember like hanging around with groups of friends and like some someone would say something like, Oh, no one would dare do that and I'd be like, Boom <laughs> What? <laughs> I'm I'm already off off it. I'm already yeah. off it. Like um or if someone said to me, You wouldn't dare do that or you can't do that, that just gets me up. That just gets me like I've always been like that since a kid. I don't know what it is. Merit's ego, fucking whatever, but I've always a boysy kid and someone's climbing a tree, I have to climb the highest. If someone's already been to the top, I'm not even part about climbing it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if there's that challenge, they're like, I don't know what it is since I've been a kid. Like, I've always been the same. Always like, wheeling bikes or you can't wheelie all the way down there or you can't do this with that, you can't do that, then it just gets me up for it. So, um, that for that fight especially, like, I heard a lot of, you can't beat him. It's too good. You can't, you won't beat him. Payday. You'll get payday, that's it. You, you can't beat him. Um, the build-up as well. The build-up was, like, very, um, very, it got me, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Like, I wanted to hurt him. Right. <laughs> it got under my skin. Right, okay. He, he said a lot of things and, um, the press conference in Nottingham, got a cold, sorry. The press conference in Nottingham, he was going on and on. He tried to divide me and my coach. He just tried to do everything to, to unravel me and, like, um, upset me and get under my skin. But um, he pissed me off that much. I said that comment, you know which comment I'm on about? I said, look, if I knocked you... Because what, what if you don't knock me out? What if you don't knock me out? Because I said, I'm going to knock you out. He was, what if you don't knock me out? I said, if I ever knocked you out by round 12... I'm going to knock you out in round 12. So if you get to round 12 and I'm going to knock you out, I'm, I'm going to knock you out. And he, he basically went, laughed. Like, he's like, what? And everyone else laughed, but, you know, obviously that's what happened. And um, the moment I said that, I said that with so much intent and passion. It wasn't a joke. I wasn't joking to him. I said, I'm not going to knock you out. And if I ever knocked you out by round 12, I will knock you out in round 12. I'm going to knock you out. But I was no shadow of a doubt in my mind that at some point, I was gonna knock him out, and he wound me up that much. Mm. I said, it, if you watch back the video, I said it with so much intent and drive that I can't, I watch it back and I think wow, I was being dead serious. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. That wasn't a joke to make people mm. laugh. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, back to the uh, back to the entrance. God, I come out and um, unbelievable atmosphere. Honestly, like I said, I'm a ballsy kid. I was never going to buckle under pressure. Like, people was mentioned a few things about... He said something about the pressure. He said, oh, you never you never walked out in, that, in front of that many people before. Like, you don't know what it's like because he'd done it before. Right, okay. I've come from small or boxing. <laughs> 300 people at Clifton Ledger Centre. <laughs> like, to like 9,000 people. It's a big it's a big yeah, jump. So, yeah. like, I understand what he was saying, but he mm. don't know me. Mm. So, I, I heard him say a few comments about the pressure and walking out to that many people who's not done it before he's done it loads of times as obviously we know he turned pro in Madison Square Garden and that and um, I smiled I thought this kid don't know me and I smiled and I thought for everyone telling me that he's going to beat me they don't know me like everything that he's saying now is just stacking and racking up my power bar like every mm -hmm. time I hear a comment boom it's in the bank I read something on social media like he ain't got a chance, he's going to get his head boxed off. That's in the bank. Boom, that bar goes up. He says a little comment about the pressure. Boom, that goes up. He says, there's no way I can beat him. That goes up. His brother says something. It goes up again, like, they're feeding me. They didn't mm. realise they're feeding me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, I walk out. Oh, this, is <laughs> this is unbelievable. So I walk out after always talking on this. Down his face is amazing, by the way, so thanks to all the fans. I'm halfway down the ramp. Some kid from Ireland's got a pint in his hand. 
whoosh, right down my leg. My whole sock, my boot is drenched. And if you watch the video, but I've got the video of that, actually me getting swilled with it on my phone. You can see it. You see the guy throw it in slow motion. But anyway, I'm watching, I'm looking at the ring. Guy from my left, woof, woof. And I'm walking, I'm thinking, I kicked it off my leg. I didn't even look at him. I kicked it off, I thought, nothing's fucking with me today. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even blink. Uh, I'm walking to the ring. Boom, I felt it. I thought, I kicked my leg like that. I thought, nothing's fucking beating me today. And I just carried on walking. Like, that's the mindset I had that day. Yeah. Um, it's tunnel vision. Yeah, tunnel vision, yeah. yeah. And before that 12th round, like, when you're, when you go back to your corner, at that point, in that situation with that many people watching, you know, there's thoughts racing through your head, it's noisy, you're absolutely shattered. Are you taking in that feedback before that 12th round? Do you know what I mean? Are, you, are they giving you much feedback? Or is it just purely <laughs> you know in the moment? I, I won't really think. My mind wasn't anywhere else but the fight. So I, was, I was tunnel vision. I knew what I had to do. Obviously, Ben and Lee made sure that I, I was exactly to the, to the pinpoint. I knew what I, I had to do. Come out for round one. It's a bit... I'm pushing them back. Like, the, the, the whole thing was without giving too much away in case the fight happens again, but hopefully it don't because hopefully my mate's going to beat him next week. Anyway, um, without giving too much away, it was, it was about certain things and one thing was pushing him back and um, come up a little faint and he went back, boom. Little boom, boom, boom. Little flick to the side. Whoa. He, he's like, he laughed. He's like, he went back. And I thought, pushing you back easier. So I got a bit relaxed. Things was happening. The, ticking off the things I need to do. Straight away, got down to work and it was working and um, got a bit too relaxed and he started landing his backhand to the body as a southpaw, boom. I was too relaxed, blocking it, like that, boom. So then he, next time he threw a body shot, block, boom. Next time he went faint, I went woof and he came over the top and woof, boom, came over the top. Round one, nailed me, straight on my back, <laughs> as you've seen. Um, but that's what happened if people don't know. He didn't just come out and throw a shot, you know, he sold me downstairs and... Um, straight on my back and then um, the only thing that was going in my, in my mind through my mind bearing in mind I didn't know I went on my back I thought I just took a knee right. it wasn't until after the fight someone showed me and said you was, you was on your back look and I was like nah but anyway what went through my head as I was standing up probably that's, I probably went I was out there and then when I got up I was still probably not quite with it and then from that point there on one knee I stood up quick that's probably where I came back kind mm. of thing and the only thing from that point that went from my head was that's a fucking turn it round you silly bastard. Now I'm down. Like, fucking claw it back. And yeah. I stood up. And then, obviously, um, the bell had gone as he landed the shot. So yeah. I got a minute. And um, Does your brain at that moment go back to, like, past experiences where you had no. the same thing and you're 10-8 or you're just no, 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 fully no. in that fight? No, no, no. no. I wasn't panicking, wasn't worrying. But did you, do you know what I mean? Like, when you were younger, you went, right, exhausted yeah, yourself. Yeah. Do experience. You, is your brain subconsciously so time, going right? This time okay. I've got a lot more experience. I've done the distance... The Kanzu, I know I'd, I'd never done 12 rounds to this point, but I'd been to the 12th round, so I knew about peace mm -hmm. and everything else. I knew I knew about like, 12 round fights, like, because I, I made that mistake before. I never made the same mistake twice. I made that mistake throwing everything and gassing out. I'd never do that again. I promised mm -hmm. myself I'd never lose a fight for fitness or gassing mm -hmm. out again, ever. So, um, yeah. Gets back to the first round, I'm thinking, obviously experience this time, being caught for some, I've got 12 rounds, it's a long time, you know, 12 rounds. Don't sound like it, but it's a long, long time, three minute rounds, it's a long time. Um, so yeah, I sit down and Ben says, says like, this is what, oh, he's like, right, you need to watch this. And I went, just say that again, slowly, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, I think you laughed, but I smiled, he went, 
he's only on stage what the fuck I was like oh sound come back out he landed about three or four more times <laughs> but what happened now is like I didn't see the first one now I can see it coming okay so um, he's caught me again Buff. now he's getting to the point now where he's caught me he's dropped me and he's loading up and I'm taking his best shot mm. so he's, he's landing clean and I'm not going anywhere I'm not going down I'm not really shaking he's landing and landing that second round third round again comes some more shots it's getting to the point where he's landed everything he's got and I'm not only still there but now I'm, I'm starting to turn this fight around I'm walking through shots I'm landing my own shots and like I said I'm a big puncher so now the tide's turning a bit like mm. round four I'm imposing myself I'm doing what I'm supposed to do which I don't want to go into too much in case it happens again but yeah. I'm doing these things that I'm supposed to do and because I'm doing them things I'm like I'm, I'm back in now yeah. and round by round I start my process of what I should have done from the round one but obviously I'm four rounds behind because uh, yeah. we're getting dropped and then um, yeah I'm sort of chipping away getting to the game plan and um, even though I started the fight so bad the game plan still worked and by round 10 I could have pushed him over by round I don't know how we made round 12 to be honest mm. and then the sequence in round 12 came what I drilled and um, opportunity presents itself and um not only did I knock him out, I knocked him out in round 12, which I said I was going to do, which is quite uh, I can't, uh, ironic, and um, knocked him out of the ring, which um, made history so everything for a reason. Did you, when you know, when you, after that moment when you walk back and it all goes quiet and you're in the change room, or even maybe not the change room when you get home that night and you go to bed, is there a moment where you're like, as if I just did that? <laughs> no, it normally, normally would be like, I would have been buzzing, but because I didn't know if he was all right, mm. straight after the fight, I, I couldn't celebrate. Yeah. Even when I went back there, I was, thinking, I was asking if he was all right. I was like, asking the people for matching, like, is people with him? Yeah, he's gone to hospital. Like, I thought, like, straight away, boom, nailed him, sank, like, yes, done him. I nailed him. I said, I was going to nail him. I finally got him. It should have been two rounds before, but I got him. Mm. And then, um, I think Lee Wiley or someone said, you know, it's not right. And I, like, looked. Medics and that, I thought, oh, shit. Like, what if I hurt him? Yeah. Um, what if I've done something? Like, what if I've really hurt him? You know what I mean? And then you kind of panic a bit, like... Because you could never, like... I could never live with myself if I'm celebrating. I've done permanent damage to him, do you know what I mean? So then it was like, oh, no, what if? And then, like, we were to calm the cry down a little bit. And um, from that moment then till the next day when I seen him in the morning I couldn't celebrate I couldn't yeah. enjoy it kind of got robbed of it a little bit so um then I seen him again the next morning and back from hospital fucking still talking shit once a rematch <laughs> I thought you fucking prick <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad he was alright but yeah same old fucking same old Mick Conlon <laughs> what's that like mate like duh do you sh do you worry more about getting hurt yourself or hurting someone else hurting someone else yeah really yeah, many fights. So there was the uh, Doyle fight, Colin slumped him. There was the the Reese Mould fight, Gasaneri was on. I thought, I know him. You'd f I feel like, oh, it's just a sport. Like, I want to mm. knock someone out, don't get me wrong. I want a highlight reel, but um, I don't want to, like, damage him permanently where that changes the life. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to, I don't want to, like, 
put them in to like I don't want to give them brain damage or anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to get my highlight real knockout. And if they could me to me, they would. But um, I don't want anything to be permanent. Like this is the sport, isn't it? It gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? That, like it gets thrown around a lot. That like wow, boxing is dangerous, and mm. you know people you can lose your life doing this, and that's why the guys that make it to the top they deserve all the money they get. But I, I think as a casual, you don't really think about that because you wouldn't really mm. understand unless you were in the position of being able to potentially really hurt someone or be really yeah. hurt yourself. It can happen. And um, you can get out doing something you don't enjoy. So <laughs> yeah. you might as well do risk getting yeah. out in something you absolutely love and that changes life and um, fulfills your passion. You know, so and that's why. But that's why you guys earn every penny you earn when you get to that level, like because it, it's not like other sports. Yeah, there aren't other sports. Do you know what I mean? There's where so much more to it. Like yeah, yeah. it's it's the fight night. You see the fight night, but maybe more damage is done in some gyms. I say some gyms, not all gyms, where the sparring for a fight and sparring three or four times a week, open sparring, taking punches in the head consistently, twelve rounds, twelve rounds, twelve rounds, and they quite don't know quite what they're doing, and they're just taking a hammer, thinking they're getting stronger and fitter and more determined, and better at taking. I don't know what they think, but like mm. some take a lot of hammer and more damage is definitely done in the gyms than the fight night. You right. think you fight three times a year, whatever. Yeah. The damage can't all be done on fight night. Don't get me wrong, smaller gloves and it can be done on fight night, but. I think sometimes, not all the times, there's a lot of damage done in the gym. Yeah. A fight week, Lee, like, let's take, for example, the second Lara fight. How stressful is a fight week? You know, not nothing to do with the other guy that you're fighting, but just mentally, how draining is a fight week in that build-up? I used to hate it. Right. Cameras and uh, press conferences, and I was quite, not shy, yeah, maybe shy, you could say shy. I was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Like, camera in your face here, camera in your face there. You're repeating yourself 10 times a day because they're asking um, how confident you are for this fight or how are we going to win or how's camp been? Then you, you turn around and it's the same questions and you go to the hotel, it's the same questions and then there's a lot of amateur cameras in boxing. You don't really get them in other sports so people just pull the phone out. Hello, this is for boxing, whatever, whatever. It's like, there's a lot of amateurs and you're repeating yourself a lot. Maybe that should change a little bit. Um, we were talking about it in my gym not long ago and um, there was there was an incident where someone got punched um, by their team because there's no security stopping people mixing and that. Right. And there's a bit of beef between the people that was fighting and his family and he got punched. But at the time, they was getting filmed by, like, just normal people can come up, like, say, oh, with this website or with this Instagram, whatever. You don't know as a fighter if they are or not, if yeah, but, they're legit or yeah, not. Yeah, right? yeah, even if they're legit, like, they're not, like your mainstream mm. media like BBC and that yeah. so really what they should get is like in football where you're at a table there's all these people here yeah. and someone says right question 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 not only do the fight have to repeat itself 10 times for the same questions mm. but it's safer yeah. because there's security there either side so if them two people that find clash there's security there when after that then you get your individual ones the security is that there's too many people to please because it's there, 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 there. There's one fire there, there's one fire there, one fire there from the whole bill. Yeah. It's harder to police, and maybe that's one thing that um, that should change. Yeah, yeah. It's um, when you when you're doing that, and you're do you have, do you have to how how do you manage your weight like in a hard? It's tough. So obviously, fight week you're cutting down, so you you got no carbs all fight week, and you're really starting to cut down, and then that's when you've got to be more. Uh, what's the word? Enthusiastic, because that's when everyone's going to judge you and go right. Well, you got to jazz hands, don't you? Press, <laughs> press conference here. Yeah. Um, how confident is he? But I'm, I'm confident, but I'm I'm quite reserved anyway. Normally, I'm not really loud mouth, yeah. but um, 
I'm extremely confident, but I'm fucking starving. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not really eating a lot. And like making weight and then obviously you got your caught and like it's 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 hard and it's all fire week and it's a lot of pressure on like I said, you've got to be enthusiastic and you've got to be um you gotta try and put a put a put your character across. Um which I've always struggled with. I've always struggled with. like when the camera comes out, it's like my personality, I feel like God, like I want to be myself, but I feel like I can't quite be myself. But, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. But um, when cameras are out of the way, I feel like I can be myself a little bit more. And it's harder because you, you want. I would love everyone to meet the real me because I think they would like the real me. But mm. it's hard because when the camera comes out, I'm quite not quite the real me. Do you know? Yeah. Do you so, have like? Um, I was talking about this with someone the other day, and I was saying like it was funny when I was a kid, and I'd used to fly to competition sometimes. I'd be sitting there, my brain would like stray to, oh, imagine if the flight gets cancelled, I don't have to compete. Because <laughs> there was like that inside, subconsciously, I had that fight or flight. That was yeah. what was going on. It that's was my brain trying to like jump at. Do you, even yeah. as someone that's competing at that level and is that age, and I'm sure like you might not want to like admit something like that, but do you, it's normal, right? Do you still have that fight or flight thing, even at yeah, the I age you're right at now? Yeah, I think in my career when I was a kid, like, not a kid, but like, in my teenage years, like, them thoughts are like, Something crazy pop in your head, and you think, then you think, what are you about? Then you like you argue with yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're quite, everyone gets them. It's normal. It's like you'd be surprised how many people do go through the same things in life, make the same mistakes in life. Um, I, I say this a lot. So, like, if you have got someone you trust, like, talk to them about things that they're even embarrassed about talking about, because you'd be surprised how many people have been through them same things. You yeah. think, oh god, I'm going through this now. No one will understand. No one else has been through this. Like, trust me. Like, this pretty much everyone has been through something similar like trust me um, it's about growing and learning from your experiences and your mistakes and that's life like it's just like sport and career and like you just gotta keep getting better you know and if there's kids watching like young boxers or just young athletes or not even athletes kids that have that fear and that nerves like that doesn't go away does it you just learn about no, what that is and how to yeah, manage it And I do think some people struggle more mm. Remember what I said about worrying? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, like, if you're worrying about something, forget, don't even worry about anything because if, you, if you're worrying about something, right, take action, which means, right, take action to change what you're worrying about. So you're not going to worry about it because you took action. Or if you can't take action because you can't really change it, don't worry about it mm. because you're not going to get nothing out of it. You can worry about it for weeks, months, years, but yeah. it's not going to change anything. So why waste what time you've got here worrying about it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, remember there was a lad in my amateur gym. He used to get really nervous before he fought, and I said to him, "Look, like what you feel right now, you're getting nervous about fighting. But when you spar, you may get a little bit nervous, but not as bad as this. But like after a spar, you're like, oh yeah, that sparred well. Like, don't worry like about your fight, like because what you're feeling, what you're going through. That's what you say to him." I don't know if it was true, but it used to help him. Yeah. What you're going through right now, the person you're fighting, they're on the way to the stadium and they're feeling exactly the same as what you're feeling. Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, you're right. I said, like, he feels exactly like you, but you're going to get in there. That just goes out the window. Then you can focus on your boxing. Mm. Like what you're feeling, it's just a feeling what everyone goes through. Yeah. And then you'll be like, yeah, you're right. Then I think, oh, like, he gets a lot more nervous than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. mate. Uh, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, the fight then with um, with Josh Warrington. Uh, I, I sat down and listened to you kind of you two kind of have sit down and have that sit down like we do on Sky Sports. And you obviously you were very you're very nice to each other. I thought in that like very respectable. Um, 
Did you almost feel, I almost felt like he admitted that you're a better boxer in that conversation. Yeah, yeah I did you six walk? Rounds. Did you walk away <laughs> from? Right, but do you know what I mean? Did, did you walk away from that conversation thinking, all right, we've been very amicable, amicable to each other, but actually, like, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of almost accepting that I am a better boxer. No, do you know I think, what I mean? Yeah. Do, you, do you just have a conversation, or are you even though you're having a nice conversation, are you still playing mind games? I've, I'm done with my games now because mm. I know, like, gets the fight night, then doesn't matter. Once you're in I that ring, do what matter, I do. Does it? Yeah, yeah, like you can't, you can't uh, really like throw me off my game. You can't fuck with my head. Like I've ex- too experienced to like get through, and like I know what I've got to do because it's clear because of the team that I'm with. I know what, exactly what I need to do. Um, I'm confident in doing it. So what someone else sees, I just think, well, they're just trying to the best to try and get an advantage or whatever somewhere mm-hmm. but yeah we talked it was unacable it was like um, we both got respect for each other like and he's exactly like me like if someone gives me shit then pff, you're getting it back if you, you want to say these things about me I'll say things about you but yeah. he isn't he's he's like that I'm not like that as a rule mm-hmm. so yeah the respect is there and we don't you don't need to be like that to sell a fight no, right. I, I think the promoters would prefer it <laughs> but that's not us so um, the fight got sold on the basis that He's a good fighter. He's a two-time world champion. I'm a good fighter. I'm a two-time world champion. No, it was a great fight, and um, it was. I think it, it it was the fight that it was built up to be. It was exciting, and um, yeah, it was everything that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I did everything that I said I was going to do, and what happened was exactly pretty much what I said would happen. Uh, to to the T, I watched a few interviews back um, that get tagged in, and oh yeah. I said that at least that would happen and I'm like yeah well yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly pretty much what happened yeah. so. talk, talk me through those six rounds and what's going on in your head are you thinking right this is going to plan when you're having those conversations in your corner between each round you're going yeah this is exactly what we what are what's going through your head in those six first six rounds yeah so first of all the cook, I come out and um, it was at a pace where I thought oh, god I'm, I'm landing here and I'm probably if he carries on like this, like it's giving me loads of opportunities already, and like it's at a pace where I'm eventually gonna knock you out. Basically, I, I can I can see shots, I can see certain things lining up, and you're right in front of me. And then um, I remember round one or round two, his corner shouted to him, "Do you want to get beat again?" Or something about getting beat or losing again. And he went from like that that pace he was at to, Woof. and that's the worst thing that could have possibly happened because he's gone from been working that hard to being like fairly inefficient and not only being inefficient throwing more shots and being more aggressive and you can't do that with a puncher because you're giving me so many opportunities yeah and i was looking and waiting for the right the right moment and i said that before i said like there were times when joshua were working extremely hard to win a moment and i'm making pay for it and i did make him pay for it as soon as he he started skirting around a little bit he did a certain thing but um we drilled in the changing room we drilled in the camp the moment came, boom, when I sat up and um, I took it and, and caught him and that's exactly what I said was going to happen. Is there any danger, Lee, like, having fought the fight against Conlon and winning in the 12th round, really close to the end of the fight, knocking him out, is there any danger when you're going into a fight then thinking, well, I know I can pull some off really late in the <laughs> fight, like, in training, but does that then become an advantage when the actual fight is there? Because you're then like, well, if it does go there, then I know that I can put... Do you know what? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's good to have, like... It's not so much like I've had, them t- I've had two 12-round knockouts, but it's not so much like, 
oh, I know if it gets to 12, I can lock you out. Because mm. I have many times, but it's more of like, I carry power and I carry it throughout the whole fight. So if you're a volume puncher and you throw a lot of shots, so whilst your hands aren't by your head ear, the right ear, so many gaps and opportunities for yeah. me to hit you. So whichever way you want it, if you want to throw more and give me more opportunities to catch you, and I'm a big puncher, and I'm a big puncher for the whole distance of the fight, then it's just a matter of time before I land. Um, if you want to tuck up a little bit more, then it'd be more like the Zukan fight where I break you down systematically round by round. So whichever way you want to do it, it doesn't really matter to me. I want to get the job done regardless of how you want to approach the fight. And yeah. that's what good fighters do. They find a way, the way to win regardless of what's in front of them. It seems like to me, mate, from having this conversation with you today, you're, you're able to take the emotion out of your sport and fighting and just use logic, your head, That's like, what you have really to do. well. That's what you have to do. Um, then, don't get me wrong, there's times in the past when I've boxed on instinct and feelings and it's not the way to do it. Um, there is a time when, like, against Conan, when part of the game plan was to do a certain thing and, and push a piece... Sometimes you have to bite down and push that piece, regardless of which way you do it, whether you're doing it by an imposing or you're doing it by sitting on his chest and making mm. him work. Like, it's a similar kind of thing, but the game plan was to, to do that. So, um, yeah, that's the time when that can, especially with what happened before, that driving there, yeah. it helps, but um, it's not all based on logic and principle and um, game plan and drilling and get to the point where you drill that many times. In, your train, in training that you can do it without even thinking of that night and that's how it has to be because if you sit around and wait for a certain moment you'll be here all night and never come yeah. you I need to be able to know these situations here that I've drilled I'm boxing and that one pops up I can see it I don't think about it I just do it because I've drilled it hundreds of times and then it, it'll win me the fight and that's what's happened many many times one question I wanted to ask you mate um, in that Laura fight when Ben put the towel in is that for people that are like fight fans or sports fans? Is that a conversation that is, is that a predetermined thing? So, do you have a conversation at some point, whenever it is in a fight camp, or is it just a, we just know that this is the way it is, you're in control, and if it gets to that situation, you're doing that, and that's, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like with, with Ben, like that's his job. So, mm. um, if you ask a fighter, say, right. You're never gonna, you're never gonna. No. I, 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 I still say to this day, like, <laughs> Should let me come out. I won that fight, <laughs> and I, I, I fully, wholeheartedly believe that. Like mm. I believe that the bell went out of his hand, like just been like Conlon, but Laura's a big puncher. You know, he, he's very like me. He's probably not as big a one punch bang than me, but he's very sharp and fast on the counter. Mm. So if you're making a little mistake, man. but yeah, um, you can't really go talk to the fight at the gym and get right. If you get hurt, you know, like bad, like I want to throw the towel in. And the fight will be like, no, never ever. I don't even take that towel to the ring because I'd rather go out on my back than mm. go out with the towel or someone stopping the fight, the ref, whatever. Like I'd rather be carried out, but that's just fighters and that's just how it is, I guess. Like I believe and people may call me deluded. Like I always back myself against every single person, every single fighter. And even my, my my team logically might go, that's not a great, that fight's not a great fight for you. Stylistically, you know, maybe we should go with that person who's better on higher ranked and people fear is more dangerous, but that fight three below is not the style for you. And, yeah. and I'm, I'll beat you, I'll beat you. But like, it's where, like you say, logic takes over and mm. um, you've got to back yourself as a fight. Maybe that little bit of delusion has got me where I am today, like knowing and just thinking that I'm 
I'm not going to get beat. I'm, I'll beat anyone in my division. And maybe it's the confidence, and I've always been a confident kid, maybe that confidence and that slight delusion of whatever it is is gone where I am. I don't know. Yeah. Lee, when you think about, you know, you talked a little bit about the future, like... And it's one thing that I wanted to ask you because in my career, uh, there used to be skills in gymnastics where you would basically do like what a diver would do into the water but on the floor and I used to knock my head like 10 times a day Jeez. when I was a kid. And one time I got uh, a really bad concussion that lasted for 12 months and I didn't tell anyone because I just I thought they're going to stop me competing so I'm just going to keep it to myself. That frightens the hell out of me, that does. Uh, and whenever I talk about it with my fiance, she just shuts me up and says, shut up, I don't want to hear it. I'm like, no, but I'm serious. I used to knock my head, top of my head from like three metres, four metres in the air, like 10 times a day for the whole of my teenage years. I'm like, oh. I stress about that. Yeah. Do, do you have those worries like, uh, not necessarily about getting, well, maybe getting hit in the head, but also like physically, because now my shoulder, I got told last week by uh, a doctor that they, I've got two torn tendons. And I was kind of like, well, if I rehab them, will they maybe magically go back on? And he was like, no, we've got to attach them, mate, to fix them. And I was like, fuck. But, like, do you worry about that? Like, um, Or is it something you can't worry about too much right now? No, I don't worry about and, me. I don't worry yeah. about me at all. I worry yeah. about my kids. I, like right, like okay. I said, I don't want my kids to be looking after me when I get to, like, 60-odd, you know? I don't worry about me. I feel like I'm the last person I worry about. Like, I feel like I've done... I've seen a lot, I've done a lot in my life, like, I've got, again, to the age where, like, I won't even be bothered, like, if I passed away, like, I'm not scared of that, I'm not bothered, like, I feel like I've done a lot in my life, I've seen a lot, but I think more about my kids, I feel like, oh, God, I don't want my kids to look at me, and what if I'm, like, get to a part where my, I've been that badly hit, to a stage where I can't reply, and I'm just basically, like, vegetable, and, like, mm. they're looking after me, that's worse than me passing away tomorrow, that is yeah. the worst thing I could think of, like, them looking after me, and, not being able to interact with them and them having to me being alive and not being able to do anything with them you know, that's that's the worst thing I can think of um, so yeah so I do sometimes think about that and I think oh, I hope I've not took that much stick but yeah. like with boxing it is getting a lot tighter things are getting more stringent and we have brain scans every year anyway so right. if there's any little thing they'll see it right. um, I don't know maybe as technology gets better um, there may be more things that go on with head injuries and mm -hmm. things that can repair things like there's things always advancing in this so yeah, um, yeah. by the time I'm 16 you know, there may be something even better by them mm. Lee like the next thing is the city ground right like what are the steps in between making that happen now at this point? Uh, like, I mean, logistically, how difficult is that to do? Someone said to me the other day, but to take that concert there, like, surely that you know opens the window. Like. Yeah, they took they took my spot. They took my right. they took my slot. I think it's twenty seventh for me, isn't it? But um, no, like before that, before the last season, you know, the pitch wasn't able to get all matted down and then recover for a game. It wasn't. It was all grass and mud. So like, it would have been a mess and I agree with them like mm. then obviously they spent a lot of money on the pitch and uh, the break in between the seasons so it's all like half artificial half real so now it can get matted right. and it can come off as long as okay. it's not down too long and, and the grass will be sound you know I've got a lot of uh, contacts at the club I'm good friends with Cooper um, so yeah um, I don't see why it can't happen now you know conversations yeah. have already, already begun okay. um, so we're in the process of sorting it my, my promotional team are already on it so um I'll know more at the weekend and then I've got another meeting in two weeks. So, okay, so yeah, we're, we're, on, we're on the right track. I'm confident. In yeah. my contract for my last fight for the Warrington fight, I said I'm not signing this Warrington fight unless 
this Forest Crown fight is in that contract. Mm. Um, I win this fight, we're going there. Right. Or they have to let me go, I'm not fighting again. Okay. So um, it's in their best oh, interest amazing. to make this fight. If they right. didn't make this fight, yeah. I, I can go to someone that can make the fight. But okay. um, and who, trust me, if that fight can be made, there. Eddie's the man to make it. Yeah. So. And who 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 would you want to fight? Who have you got in your mind, really? Like, realistically? I'm not fussed, you, Are you not bothered? I'm not bothered. You just I, want to, I know just from that city ground fight. From the, the heart. From the heart, right now. Yeah, walking out to that. <laughs> from my heart, um, in my head, like, I'm not getting beat there. Because yeah. um, not only have I waited all this time to fight there, I don't want to be remembered as the first person to fight there and lose <laughs> it. And yeah. get beat. Yeah. Not on my watch. Like, yeah. I've grafted my arse off to get to this point. I've been through hell and back. I've, I don't want to preach about what I've been through to get here, but like I've been through a lot. And um, this is my dream. Um, I'm not bothered if it's Warrington, if it's Cordino, Navarrete, um, whatever, whoever. Yeah. Um, I'm not getting beat. Um, I need to win this fight. This is the fight that I'll remember. remember and my city will remember. And my, my kids and my family will remember for a long time. So. And if you get that fight, mate, how do you, you said you only want to fight a few more times is the next step after that go to the yeah, states this, maybe this, do this, a big fight yeah there that's or, it that's yeah. it this could be my last one or maybe a trip to Vegas after but it's fight by fight like mm. I said that before the last fight but exactly that fight's out of the way okay let's focus on this fight and then um, after that we'll look at it but like I said I don't want to keep fighting once I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve which is that and then um, I'm financially secure which is already so yeah, we'll see fight by fight. Yeah, and it's great that you've got that attitude, mate, because so many people, whether it's boxers or other athletes, they yeah. struggle, they have that void to fill when they're finished, <laughs> and it sounds like you're already going to fill that with motocross, but it's good, you know, like, you see so many boxers try to come back and they yeah. just can't find that, they I lose that buzz, I will miss know? fighting, like, yeah. I will want, it's been my license 12 years old, like I said, travelled around the world fighting, and um, I will miss it. Uh, like more than anything but um, I also know that I'd rather miss it than fight too long and mm. tarnish my, my career or my reputation and um, fight for money and yeah like risk my health like, there's so many things that way like I've had my time like not quite yet but after this next fight you know I can look back and say look I've had my time I've achieved more than I set out to achieve um, I've achieved my maximum, mm. what I what I could have achieved by the time by the time the the, the time is hanging up. Um, so I won't be bitter, you know. I can say it with a smile on my face that I will miss boxing, but like I said, I've, I've done all right and I've, I've ticked every box I wanted to tick. So, just to finish off, mate, you know, right now is quite a difficult time for everyone, isn't it, mentally? And you talked about being really t difficult back in 2014 when you when you lost that British title and you had to wait a long time to get it back for people that are out there and they are struggling right I think it'd be great to just get just a little piece of advice from you because you're someone that I, I sit across from you and I think you're so mentally strong um, what would be one piece of advice for anybody that's just struggling at the moment uh, I know you've talked about like trying to find someone that you can talk to because that helps I always say that problem shared is a problem halved yeah, sure. what would that be mate yeah I feel like mental my mental game is probably my best asset. Mental strength, like, it always has been. And um, just not knowing when to quit. I'll look at something and think of reasons to carry on going instead of reasons to quit. Right. So people will look at things, per perception, um, perspective, you could say. My perspective was always, like, why two instead of why not Class four. 
yeah, always, always. And um, I, I don't know, it's just the way I view things. It could be anything. Um, it goes back to that bit of delusion. Like, um, I might be saying, I need to be here for a certain time and there's been, I've hit traffic and it's like, uh, they'll ring me like, are you going to be on time? Like, I'll look, I think there's nowhere. But I'll be like, yeah, I'm bang on time. And I think I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And I think I'm going to make it. But realistically, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be late. But in my head, I'm not going to be late. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like little things like that. And yeah. like, it's the same with uh, winning. And like, I could have a, a niggle or an injury. Like I have for many of these last four fights, I've had injuries. Like I had a shoulder oper- operation in the October and I boxed in the March with a 12-week camp. Like my shoulder was bad. I hitting pads was killing me. Sparring wasn't as bad because of the adrenaline, but... But in my head, I'm like, I'll be sad. I'll be sad. Like, yeah. just keep going, just keep cracking on, yeah. keep cracking on. And I was going for excruciating pain for that camp. It wasn't quite right for a long time after. And luckily, that lower fight got put back and I got that bit more time because then it was finally all right. But um, it's just the mindset, you know. But advice to people um, that haven't quite got that naturally is just like, if you want to do something and you go through things and you you don't feel like you're quite going to get there or something pops up and you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. The amount of people that question themselves or question, like, maybe fate, they might question fate a lot. I, get, I hear that a lot. Oh, it's just not for me. Well, you make it for you. You, mm. you. you keep going until you get there. It's your choice. It's your choice. Like, if you quit, you definitely won't get there. But if you keep going and and one week, one day, you look back at all the people that would have quit where you was going to quit last week and you've gone a week further. So then that number of a million people has gone down to 500,000. What about in three more weeks? What about in three more months? What about in three more years? That number's gone down again. You're, already, you're still progressing. You can quit if you want, but um, I, I guarantee you if you keep going and you keep going through these hurdles and these setbacks and these things where other people would have, would have quit, like you keep pursuing, you'll get there. Amazing. So. Lee, thank you very much, Thanks mate. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot.